1: Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Tunnel Vision, a show brought to you by USCFootball.com. I'm Rose are joined by Ryan Abraham, and virtually by Shotgun Spratling. We have a fun show for you guys today. We have a lot to talk about, a lot to cover. I believe our last show was a month ago, Ryan, with Brandon with Sosna. Brandon.
2: Brandon's sitting right here.
1: Yeah, and now here we are a month later. Shotty is officially an East Coaster. Some crazy, mm. some crazy developments. Uh, Shotgun, yeah. you don't look too happy about that.
0: It's cold here. You see, I got a jacket on. I got a long sleeve shirt underneath. I don't like the cold, and it's cold all the time up here. I don't appreciate
1: it. Oh, so it's cold, Shotty. Is what you're saying?
0: I think mean, it's cold. It's cold. Okay.
1: Yeah. And the transfer portal has just been revolving a lot. We- transfer Palooza is what I call it. like I think that? That's, it's a great way that a hashtag. Yeah. That's gonna trend. It's good. It's a good dub. Uh, so we'll talk about that. We have a graphic. I'll put it up right now. We have just so much to talk about if you look at the, the players who've transferred in to USC and transferred out. So we have a lot to talk about. Jackson Dart entered the portal as well. It feels like there's just been a whole lifetime of news in between our tunnel visions, Ryan. So we have a lot there's, uh, to cover. There's been a lot.
2: The guy that was sitting right next to me, Brandon Sosna, you know, a month ago, it was great to get him on, talking about the Lincoln Riley hire. He goes and hires you away. So, like, with, I feel like I just got stabbed in the back. I feel like, you know, Bob Bowlesley, the Big 12, just like uh the Texas and Oklahoma, just oh, left for the SEC. No, I'm just kidding. But, we're yeah, we got Keeley's last live show with yes, us.
1: today is my last live show. Super surreal. I announced earlier today I am leaving USCfootball.com, which is crazy. After seven Boom. years, seven years starting as an intern, I'm going to be USC's director of creative content and uh team reporter for the athletic department which is crazy so uh last show for me which is pretty crazy we're
2: very happy for keely like she said like she you know started off as a freshman what Do you have like 30 Twitter followers or Yeah, something? I had
1: 30 Twitter followers and this man slid into my DMs and was like, hey, do you want to intern? So, I, I, what I do remember is that you were like, we'll have a trial period to see if you'll be our intern and then I'll let you know if you're our intern and you never got back to me, Ryan, so that's I just wanted to know ago. if yeah. I can be your intern or like what's the status there. Yeah,
2: you're in seven years. Okay. Uh, that's good. Okay. Um, <laughs>
1: good to know. Just wanted to double check.
2: Yeah, it's funny. And for all those like people that want to do this kind of stuff out there, Keely was just good. She didn't have a lot of Followers, but she was really knowledgeable on Twitter. She was engaged. She knew what was going on with the team. Uh, we see a lot of people like, oh, I really want to cover the team. And they tweet about whatever, crocheting or something like nothing else. Like, just she was really into cover the team. Like, oh, like in whatever, saw some hashtags and stuff. Or I, someone might have pointed you out to, I forget what it was, but uh I quote
1: like, tweeted you, Jabari Ruffin Tours ACL. And I quote tweeted you. Or oh, like okay. It wasn't a quote tweet back then, but it was like a RT or whatever. Something like that. Yeah. Yes. And I yeah, was like, was cool. yeah. Yeah, so, both,
2: but we're both. super happy to see Keely. How many followers do you have now?
1: Uh, close, fourteen thousand in there. So around from there. thirty
2: to fourteen thousand, yeah, that's a pretty good. good amount, uh, but think. it's because she's put in a, a ton of work and just has been uh, an excellent reporter for us. Uh, she's the first intern I ever hired to uh, be a full time uh, employee. So that's been uh, it's been great to see her. Just kind of, you know, I've seen you grow up, basically, which is I crazy. I know, which is <laughs> yeah. it's just
1: crazy. That's what I wrote on the P. I'm like, everyone's kind of watched me. I was 19 when I started, probably, yeah, 19, and now I'm 26, which is crazy. So thanks to everyone who, who watched and watched me grow. And, I mean, I said it already, but I'm so thankful for all of you guys and shoddy. You're my big brother, who I've always fought with from the beginning, uh, but yeah, we can get into this later. We have a lot of USC news, yeah, to talk we can about. get into all that stuff. Um, now I was saying before the show, uh, this is we always call this therapy, usually after games, we call this therapy for USC fans. I think I need to bring that back just because I feel like everyone is now like tortured by the fight on emoji on Twitter, it's been a, 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 a campaign for USC that's been working well because anytime they drop just one tweet of that emoji, everyone's on alert. And so we've now seen two of those today. Um, and now Lincoln Riley joined the 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 madness. What are you guys uh, determining from that?
2: Yeah, Lincoln Riley, the last time he tweeted the fight on emoji was December 11th. So I went back and looked through his timeline and that was like two days before Demonte Jackson, uh, the five star, you know, cornerback from modern day you know, recommitted. Um, So maybe that was what he was talking about. It's hard to say. Um, But I don't know, like for him to come out there and we're seeing like Gavin Morris talking about the big one, but this is the second time he said this is the big one. And I think for USC fans, it's great when you pick up like a linebacker from Auburn or something like that, but it's not Caleb Williams and that's who everyone wants to know about. So I'm not sure what USC is doing, what the end game is here, but the constant emojis, and then even making comments about how these are big ones, unless it's Caleb Williams or, like, you know, I don't know, somebody that's bigger than that, I don't think USC fans, they're sort of numb to it. You know, you remember, like, when the Pete Carroll era, USC just sort of, like, going to Rose Bowl after Rose Bowl. You're sort of like, eh, it's the Rose Bowl again. You're picking up really good players in the transfer portal, but unless it's going to be Caleb Williams, I don't think, they're sort of like, yeah, okay, tell me about Caleb Williams. Um, but we'll, we'll talk about all the transfers and stuff that the guys are coming in. But the, the emoji watch, you got to follow everyone, like follow uh, Shotgun. He's got some good uh, analysis, but Chris Trevino has been killing it.
1: Chris has just made this. The it's,
2: funny, yeah. It's, it's
1: He's gone full Trevino, which I love. Like this is the personality <laughs> we get to see, and now he's finally putting it out onto the internet, but it's been amazing just to see his reaction because he's like antagonizing a Twitter account now. So I just think it's hilarious. yeah Shotty your thoughts?
0: Uh, Yeah, Chris is being hilarious with it. Uh, We're we're seeing, you know, he's come out of his shell more and more, and now he's fully has to to come out now that Keeley is leaving and I'm not around uh, physically. So I think that's forcing him, uh, forcing his hand a little bit more. And you're just seeing the true Trevino that we see all the time uh, just being hilarious. And the fact that he's, you know, kind of waging war with this Twitter account and, you know, just, you know, how he's been so upset with some of these, uh, some of the tweets that have been coming out i have taken a completely different track, you know. I've been, you know, putting out sound effects from uh, different scary movies, horror movies. Um, so just different ways to go about it. Everyone is kind of seeing all the emojis and going, "Is it? Is, is it Caleb? Is it Caleb Williams? Is it this person? Is it this person is a linebacker? Is a running back?" And USC, the crazy thing is, everyone's. I know a lot of USC fans are getting a little bit upset because they're getting their hopes up so much for it to be Caleb Williams. But every one of these guys they're bringing in are dudes. And that's the part where I kind of wish Caleb Williams, if he if he does end up coming to USC, would have already been done so people could be celebrating the players they're getting, the Troy dies, the Austin uh, Jones, the guys that are coming in because you're getting some really quality guys and you're getting different classes. I think they're doing a great job so far of building that that roster with different classes, not just saying, hey, we need to bring in a bunch of talent and it being all fifth-year guys. They're going to be gone next year and suddenly you got to do it again. But getting in guys that are – you know, they got three years of eligibility left, two years of eligibility, only have one year, and just filling in the roster in different ways like that. And they have really attacked positions of need. All the, the positions that they brought in so far are ones where they needed to add depth. Now, obviously, with Jackson Dart in the quarter in the transfer portal, the quarterback position needs to add somebody as well. Whether that's Caleb Williams, whether that's a JT Daniels, whether that's Jackson Dart coming back, they have to get another quarterback in this class. So it's going to be interesting to see if Caleb Mm. Williams does end up being the guy and what exactly happens there with that quarterback position.
1: So let's go back to Jackson Dart entering the transfer portal. Ryan, I know you and I had a podcast about it, and we basically said Jackson Dart entering the transfer portal doesn't – it's not a direct reflection on where Caleb Williams is in his decision, and I think that's played out correct given that we still don't know where Caleb Williams is going right now.
2: Yeah, people assumed that that was going to be, you know, oh, he's going in, it's because Caleb Williams is coming in. It's, it's one of those things where I, I don't – I do believe – and, you know, we don't get to talk to Lincoln Riley about this. If Lincoln Riley had his pick, he would have liked to keep someone like Jackson Dart uh, on the roster. Like right now, like Shotgun mentioned, I mean, you have Miller Moss and you have Mohassan the transfer from Vanderbilt, who was a walk-on at giving a scholarship. That's all there is. So obviously you need a quarterback. Uh, they got Malachi Nelson for the 2023 class. Um, but, you know, bringing in somebody now is going to be imperative. You need, you know, there's a lot of great players that they've brought in, but you need a quarterback to make things run, it could be, you know, Miller, Moss, or Mohasan, but you're you're going to need depth anyway. So you're going to bring in some sort of uh, transfer there. But when, you know, I think there's a lot of players that you can see, and if, if Keeley wants to put that list up again, yeah. there's 16 players that have transferred out. There's players that probably weren't going to play much. There's players that Lincoln Riley and his staff have evaluated that were just like, you know, you have the conversation like, hey, you're probably not going to play. You know, it might be better for you to enter the portal. Whatever that conversation's like, there's guys doing that. I don't believe that would be the case. Uh, with Jackson Dart, I think that's someone they would like to keep around. But you know, quarterback position is a very—it's a unique, it's unique. You know, there's only one that plays, and you want the situation uh, to be right. So um, when you when we saw Keen Slovis, you know, enter the transfer portal, I thought there was a, a real possibility he sort of waited to see where Graham Harrell ended up. Now Graham Harrell ends up going to West Virginia, uh, and Keen Slovis had already committed to to Pitt. There, I don't think that same relationship be, like that Slovis and Harrell had was the same sort of thing with Dart and and Harrell. So I, I don't think you're going to see Dart go to West Virginia. We talked about this probably a couple weeks ago uh, mm-hmm. in the war. And it'll be interesting to see sort of where he ends up. You know, he's talked to Old Miss, Oklahoma. There's, there's some places he could land. But I don't think there was a direct correlation. I, I still think USC is the leader in the clubhouse to land Caleb Williams, but he's someone that's going to take his time and, and check out all the opportunities. There's NIL deals. There's all kinds of stuff that are kind of going on Behind the scenes, so this is the, this is definitely the one to watch. I know there are people are coming out and people have tweeted that it's a done deal. We've been saying if you read the war room and stuff, that's just like that's not what we're hearing. Like it's not like it's not going to happen for USC, but we just haven't heard it's a done deal. But every time you see one of those emojis, it's like fight on emoji. Um, you think it's going to be happening, but obviously that it hasn't happened yet. So we're we're waiting just like everyone else. And the last day to register for classes, I believe, is January 28th yeah. for USC. So um, you would like the situation for him to be able to come in and you know participate in spring football, but he's not going to be able to be a student unless he uh, you know comes in before at USC before January twenty eighth. There's other you know schools on the quarter system where you can kind of delay it till March. So that's going to be interesting to watch. If there's one quarterback that would you know that you would be okay with not taking part in spring football to learn Lincoln-Riley system would be Caleb Williams because he's already been in Lincoln-Riley system, but still you would love to be able to bring him in and participate in spring ball. So we think it's going to be over in the next four or five days, but uh, who knows?
1: Yeah.
0: And and with that, uh, you want to get him in for spring ball. Caleb Williams wants to get in as well because you gotta establish that rapport with your receivers. You saw that at the beginning of this year, how USC struggled with, you know, so many changes that they have with Keaton Slovis, went through the off season progression, how it took a little bit of time. Um, and, and that really hurt USC early in the season. I think you want to get, you know, your quarterback that's going to be there. You want to get him in. He needs to be practicing for spring ball and Caleb Williams, you know he wants to be three and out he wants it's all about uh, you know the the NFL progression who's going to get him ready for the NFL so he wants to get in at spring 2 so that's why it's so important that you know a, a student is enrolled at USC by the 28th so that they are eligible to participate in spring ball rather than having to wait until the summer and then start working with the summer workouts.
1: Mm-hmm. Now, I know USC fans don't want to think about this, but Shotgun, is there a scenario where USC ends up without Jackson Dart and without Caleb Williams? And what does that scenario look like going forward?
0: Yeah, that's that's the the scary proposition for USC. Now, looking at what they've done so far in the transfer portal, I think that USC has option B, option C, and and is prepared. If that does go down, I think you know Caleb Williams is probably still option number one for them. If that doesn't happen, I'm sure they would try to get Jackson Dart back. If that doesn't happen. JT Daniels is, is a guy that I would definitely be looking at. I mean, you know, if, could USC get a re uh, reunited there? Um, that's something that will be interesting to see. But if that doesn't happen, I think you'll start looking at some of the different options. But you also still have Miller Moss. Now, Miller Moss knows that you know whoever comes in, whether you know it's Jackson Dart or it, it's coming in, as long as it's not Caleb Williams, he's going to be in a competition with them. If Caleb Williams comes in, Caleb Williams is going to get the job. It's not going to be a competition as much as anybody wants to talk about, yeah, that's what it will be. That's not the case. He's got an extra year of experience in it. He's already uh, um, practiced in, in Lincoln Riley's system. He knows every a lot more. He's a little bit more advanced in the system there. And it's Lincoln Riley's guy that he's bringing in. You know, If you're bringing in your guy, that's the guy you're bringing in to start. You're not bringing him in to compete. Uh, And Caleb Williams is too good to come in and say, hey, we want you to come in and we want you to compete. No, they're promising him the starting job. He's going to come in and he will be the starter.
1: So we have solved the mystery, or at least USC's Twitter account has solved the mystery as to what the second fight on emoji was in reference to, I believe, since they just announced it. Shane Lee, the Alabama a transfer, he's an inside linebacker, six foot, uh 243, according to 247. Um, he entered, uh, he went to Alabama in 2019. Guys, I know this is just breaking right now. Initial thoughts. Obviously, USC needs to bolster its inside linebacker depth. What do you take from this transfer?
2: Yeah, I got a text earlier today about this, um, and I was told it was 60 40 that he would end up coming to USC. We didn't think that the fight on emoji was for him, but maybe it was the second one and the first one was for somebody else. I just don't know. Uh, But I was told, you know, he's, uh, he's, there was an, you know, the edge rusher earlier today, but he's more of a thumper, uh, someone that could come in and just, uh, you know, put a body on somebody and help stop the run. So I think that's something that USC needs, just some of the size. I think that, you know, if you look at the, the roster, I think you come in and look at it and it's like, yeah, you know, there's some guys that, you know, have some speed, but maybe they want a little bit more size. And he's someone I think that can come in and do that. You know, if you read the, the Peristyle, hopefully you're a member of uscfootball.com, the VIP membership. Gerard Martinez has been posting some uh, great updates on the Peristyle, which is the premium message board. If you haven't signed up, it's a buck. So just sign up for a month or a dollar and go check it out. He posted about, Uh, Lee a little earlier today. So I did some, you know, did some research, got some texts on uh, his, you know, potential status. We didn't hear it was a done deal. Obviously it is uh, now. So coming in, um, you know, Shane Lee coming in through the transfer portal, but yeah, just kind of a thumper dude in the middle. So we'll see uh, how he's he's able to help. USC's not had great production from the inside linebackers. I think he's someone that can come in and help that position.
1: Thumper dude. Shadi, any thoughts?
0: Now, Shane Lee it comes in, and you know I haven't r- researched a ton on him, but what I do know from him is he started as a true freshman at, al- al- at Alabama. Is that good? He started the entire <laughs> season at, at Alabama. Now, they did have some injuries. You remember Dylan Moses, uh, their star uh, linebacker, had the, the ACL injury before the season. But he comes in and starts the entire time. He rotated in some last year, didn't play a lot in 2020. And this year, he, was, uh, he had an injury. I think it was a back injury. I can't remember exactly off the top of my head. Uh, but... You know, he only played a couple of games. So the big thing is getting him healthy. But a guy that started as a true freshman in Alabama, now his numbers, just look I just looked up his PFF numbers, and they're not great from that year. But that tells you that he has a ton of talent and that he's a guy that can, can – Potentially continue to progress. He's going to have multiple years of eligibility for USC. You know, the 2020 season doesn't count against each, anyone because of the COVID year. And then this year, he only played in three games. So he's going to get a redshirt year there. So he will have, I believe, three years of eligibility remaining, just off the top of my head, looking at this real quick. So another guy that you can come in. And if he's not a starter right away, He's going to be in that mix, at least, and should be in the rotation. And from what we've heard about Alex Grinch's defense, he likes to rotate his players a little bit more. So that's an opportunity for him to get in there john Davis, you know Julian Simon, some of those guys, and we'll see where Shane Lee continues to grow. But like you said, a six foot, two hundred forty pound guy, you know, a guy that can bring the the, the thump can also attack the, the the passer as well and get some pressure on the quarterback. So another you know going to the SEC and getting two linebackers today again USC has been searching the entire country and has been pulling some big time. Are, are some guys from big time programs. So, you know, hopefully for USC, they get more production out of Shane Lee than they did out of Ishmael Stopcher, their last transfer from Alabama.
1: Yeah. And speaking of, he uh, entered the transfer portal this past week. Mm. Um, but overall, Shadi, what are you thinking about USC's inside linebacker depth with these additions and who's left?
0: It, it's th- they still need to add some more guys because, and you got to span the, the classes because, uh, you losing Kanai Malga and you got Raylan go forth back. Is he ready to step in and, and be a guy and, and you know be able to produce consistently for you they have to tackle better though and that's one of the things you expect from Shane Lee coming in from Alabama Alabama usually is really good at tackling and really teaches it pretty well so that's something that you're going to look for from him you got to get those young guys ready you need Rayjon Davis and Julian Simon I think to be in the mix this year to be uh be contributors and if not take over one of those starting positions
2: yeah oh, a little shout out to our boy Seth uh new intern who's been doing some Awesome works on the graphics. So I just tweeted out a graphic of uh of Lee uh the transferring to USC. So mm-hmm. uh thanks also for Also did this, for.
1: this graphic as well. I'm yeah, he did that, that
2: one too. The one that shows up. So it's not up to date right now because we just, just <laughs> It's added already one
1: it's already out
0: of during out of, the show. Yeah, Seth, why don't you give us yeah, a new graphic already. That's,
2: that's how quick this has been
0: rolling for USC. This is their sixth transfer edition this week alone. Um, And they're 12th overall. They have the number two class before this commitment. I'm not sure exactly where Shane Lee is ranked to where if they will bump above LSU. But the number two transfer class in the nation and USC's overall class for 2022. Remember, before early signing period, before the early signing period started, USC was number 103, I believe it was. They were past 100. They're 130 Mm -hmm. teams. It, there's 130 teams, and USC was over 100. They're in the bottom 30 uh, in the country, and now they're all the way up to number 13. Leading into this commitment, um, and now obviously a little bit of adjustment with the with the the numbers. Uh, we have now included at 24/7 Sports. We have included the transfers and added them into the classes because it has changed completely with the tw- the, the sports uh, the 27th. The 24-7 sports (laughs) portal, I can't get it out. The transfer portal has changed everything. So we have included that now. So it's not just the incoming uh, high schoolers. It's also the incoming uh, transfers. And they're weighted based on how much eligibility they have left as well as their talent. So all those things are factored in. And USC has risen from past 100 to now it up into the top 15. An incredible run for USC and it's because they've been getting some big time players like uh like some of the guys that we've seen today but also some of the guys we've seen earlier in the week, Jerry Rice's son, two Pac-12 starting running backs and two defensive backs that that have a lot of potential as well.
1: Yeah, go for it, Ryan.
2: Oh, uh so with the whole I you know I coined the phrase whatever talked about transfer palooza for USC and it's been Pretty crazy uh, with 16 guys transferring out. You had nine guys uh, go off to the NFL. There was six or seven that, um, you know, that exhausted their eligibility. When Lincoln Riley, we talked to him after the early signing period, said, you know, 35 players or more, uh, you could have uh, turnover on this roster. And it seemed like a lot. But what you are seeing now, uh, now that the transfer portal is as, as important in college football as anything, and... The NCAA allowing student-athletes to transfer one time without any sort of penalty. This is essentially free agency in college football. And when we would see a new head coach come in, it was going to take a while for that roster to be reworked. It was going to take a couple of recruiting classes to bring in the right kind of players to fit the system that the new head coach would want and really kind of show the results on the field. It'll be really interesting to see what Lincoln Riley can do in his first year, especially if he gets a quarterback like Caleb Williams. The the players he's bringing in, he's upgraded the roster in the offseason in a time when you really wouldn't be able to. Yeah, you could bring in uh, high school freshmen, and, and some of those guys can be impactful, but usually it takes a little mm-hmm. while. You could bring in junior college transfers. Now you're bringing in full-on, like, Uh, guys that are like all Pac-12 level like oh let's go get the best running back from this team or the best receiver from that team not only just bringing them in but bringing them in from your rivals uh, to be able to do things like that to bring in some quality players from the SEC or the Big 12 there's it's just a really interesting time in college football and it just shows like what USC was able to do you bring in a guy like Lincoln Riley for a reason and he's able to bring in not just – you know the the 2023 class is going to be great, but he can bring in a class right now of of cherry-picking guys from other programs and from the transfer portal that really just transforms the roster essentially overnight. And I think that's what we're seeing right now. If you can keep up on the site on on our scholarship distribution chart, every time they sign someone new, and like Shotgun said, six this week alone, you add them in, and you look at the way the roster is getting massaged. It's very heavy – on the freshmen especially the sophomores because of that 2020 class that you know essentially joined with the 2021 class when no eligibility was lost you know during that 2020 season but they're adding some veterans as well like shotgun talked about it's really interesting to see this whole transfer palooza is going and it mm-hmm. doesn't seem like it's over anytime soon but the way he's going to be able to massage this roster you're like oh you need a little of this you need a little of that oh you got some of this got some of that you know they've added one offensive lineman they're, they may they might add a couple more we'll see uh, but they kept some veteran guys on the offensive line. Maybe you don't need as much help there, but this is really uncharted territory as far as reworking a roster in the first offseason before he's even coached the game.
1: Well, that's what I was going to ask you guys because Lincoln Riley kind of gave us a preview of what he was going to do going forward in his introductory press conference. He said he's going to turn over the roster, and I think when you first saw that exodus into the transfer portal, at least in my mentions, a lot of USC fans were like, what's happening? Why is everyone leaving? Why would they leave Lincoln Riley? But then you See these transfers coming in do you feel like they've plugged the holes where we saw gaps in USC's roster?
2: Do you want to start talking
0: I feel like they've cu- they've plugged most of the holes. or doing a good job of attacking areas of need. You know, they're not going out and, and getting a bunch of safeties. Safeties, USC's loaded with safeties. Uh, now that's even including the fact that they lost a couple of veterans to the transfer portal to the draft. And Greg Johnson and Chase Williams still I- Isaiah Paul Mal still up in the air. I haven't really heard anything on that one. But they have a ton of young safeties there. Now, do they bring? Maybe they bring in a grad transfer there. But they're attacking the areas where they they've had limited depth where they just haven't had production. I mean, wide receivers, they've got some bodies there, but they didn't have the production outside of Drake London last year. So they went out and got some more guys, got some explosive guys, got a big guy in Brendan Rice. So I think they've really done a good job of that. I think Lee does that as well, just looking up some more stuff on him. Freshman All-American, um, so that's usually pretty good. Finished with 86 tackles as a freshman, the most of any SEC freshman that year. So, you know, he's a guy that's going to be able to get to the ball and, and create some tackles. Um, and if he can wrap up and doesn't miss a lot of tackles, which that I don't know necessarily about him, that's something that USC has missed from their linebackers the last couple of years.
1: Ryan, your thoughts?
2: Yeah, this is, um, I, I think they're getting there as far as filling some of the holes. And I, I, I feel like, Lincoln Riley wants, um, you know, there's certain body types, you know, to fit the positions, you know, Alex Grinch's defense and what he wants on offense. And I feel like that's, you're getting an inkling of what he's looking for really from some of the players he's, you know, brought out of the transfer portal. When you hear a guy visiting, I think they've had a pretty good hit rate of guys that are veteran players or, you know, experienced players from somewhere else, visiting, taking an official visit to USC and boom, like signing, uh, you know, soon after that. That's where you see all those fight on emojis. So it seems like he is on track to, you know, on the way to building the roster the way he wants every day. I mean, just adding a couple of Guys from the SEC, I guess both were today, right? I don't know. The, the, the days were all kind of mixing up. Yeah. Uh, you got an Auburn guy, Alabama. Guy. It's weird you see a tweet. You're like, oh, Georgia wide receiver transfers to Alabama. Like, those two teams just play the national championship, and you got a receiver going from one team Burton, to the other. I mean,
1: Former USC targets.
2: So. Yeah, it's like crazy.
0: And all because of SoCal. That that transfer is because he wants to go play with Bryce Young, who he played for, I believe, on the premium team yeah. uh, when they were both out here in Southern California, modern day in Calabasas.
2: So there's a lot of that kind of stuff going on. Sometimes it's a player coming home, like you know, Jermaine Die coming back from Oregon to USC, but there's you know just fitting in the system, getting excited. This is the kind of excitement Lincoln Riley's created. You know, we know we just see our numbers on shows like this. It's been, gone up exponentially with the hire of Lincoln Riley. Well, it's created buzz in the college football world too before he's even played a game. And if you can build that up, I think getting your first year to maybe be like, you're a 4-8 and eight team in 2021. People are like, oh, 7-5 is a big improvement. They're, they're, the way he's changing the roster, like that's not going to be what the – I mean, the goal is going to be to win the Pac-12, I think, in the first year, which maybe when he was first hired, you're like, yeah, that's a big stretch. Like Utah's good. Oregon's good. I mean, the way he's building up the roster, if they get a guy like Caleb Williams, they're going to at least be the co-favorites in the South with Utah, who brings a lot of guys back, and obviously they're, they develop those players. It's a really good team. But he's shooting for you know, winning the Pac-12, just the guys he's adding right now.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, There were some serious deficiencies on the roster when Lincoln Riley took over. Now, part of that is the guys that were leaving and some guys that we knew were going to go to the draft, some guys that we knew were going to go to the transfer portal. Hey, you're just going to have some depth issues. They needed playmakers, though. That yeah. 2020 class didn't have playmakers in it. Gary Bryant Jr. has done a couple nice things, but they needed some guys to come in. You get a guy like Mario Williams, you expect him to come in and be a playmaker. Troy Die, not Jermaine Die Ryan. That's that's the former baseball oh, player, yeah, former Atlanta Brave, Oakland. Travis. Troy. Troy or Travis? I can't remember. Troy's his brother. Troy, I know they're, they're brothers. I, I get them mixed up. I apologize. Um, I, make,
2: I mix so, it up too. And then you, you you mixed up my, you know, fixing my mix-up. which is great. <laughs> it's great.
0: So you bring in Die, who's a guy that can catch the ball in the backfield. That's what I really noticed out of the two guys that they got, both him and Austin Jones, yeah. are going to be guys that they can use in different ways, similar with Relique Brown. Hey, Relique Brown, we're going to use you in the slot. Why don't we bring in a two veteran guys that Raleigh Brown can now learn under? I mean, that I think that's going to be great for his development as well. So you're bringing in playmakers, though. These are guys that can get in the end zone, two uh, starters from the Pac-12 schools. The wide receivers, Brendan Rice, didn't have a quarterback that could throw the ball worth worth a flip this year and still was putting up some pretty big numbers, uh, was one of the top in the Pac-12, I believe, in yards per reception. So you know these are guys that are big-time playmakers. That's what was missing on this roster. Now you start adding. You need defensive line depth, okay? We'll get a couple of guys. They brought in a couple of guys that are going to help with what Alex Grinch likes to do: smaller, a little bit smaller, but quicker guys on the defensive line. So you're adding uh, some positions there. Romelo Height, you know, I looked at his his tape and looking at his stats. I mean, he had a better pass rush win percentage than anybody on the USC roster this year. Um, he got to the quarterback. Now he's he's a was a reserve. He was playing you know, something from 10 to 30 snaps a game, but he was getting to the quarterback pretty successfully. Um, And I didn't get the sacks and that'll be something he has to develop and go. But, you know, for his first time really playing this year at at Auburn was able to to, to create pressures pretty consistently. So that's something uh, that, that, I think is a big addition for USC as well. When you lose Drake Jackson, you got Hunter Eccles and Mm -hmm. Juliana Falanico both entering the portal. So I think they've done a really good job of attacking some areas of need. I thought that the offensive line would be really a a struggle for them. But getting back Andrew Voorhees when he's a guy that we heard more than likely going to enter his name, going to leave USC, um, to get him back, I think is really big. And then adding, you, you know, Brett Nelon coming back. And now you add um, Hoskins. Is it Hoskins from uh, from Virginia as well?
2: There's so Huskins, many transfers. Yeah. I'm, try, I'm trying to keep Huskins. up with all the names. Bobby Hoskins, yeah.
0: Yeah, so you get him back and add some extra depth there, and now if you need to put him in place at right tackle for for Jalen McKenzie, if you want to put him at left tackle and move Andrew Voorhees back in, you just have a lot more options, and that's something there was going to be a big concern uh, on that offensive line is that you might have five guys that have played, but is there going to be any depth at all? And I think they're still wanting to add a couple pieces to that offensive line as well uh, to kind of to bridge that gap from some of those young guys that maybe are coming up. Mm-hmm.
1: I didn't mention this at the at the top of the show, but of course, if you have any comments or questions, be sure to put them in wherever you're watching, Facebook, Periscope, or YouTube. If you label them question, that helps us as well as we're looking for the questions. We love hearing from you guys, so please ask away. And and you guys mentioned it, Travis Dye. I think that was a surprise, one, that he entered the portal. I think a lot of people were either expecting him to finish out his Oregon career or just head to the NFL. What does that do for USC's running back room to have a veteran? And come into that room when you lose a guy like Keonta Ingram who announced that he's leaving for the NFL and you lose a guy like Vivai Malapai?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's uh, you look at the room now. So there's five running backs on scholarship. I'm checking our scholarship distribution chart. But uh, Travis Dye definitely brings some experience. You bring in Austin Jones from Stanford, so a junior and a senior uh, in that running back room. And, you know, Rayleigh Brown, obviously... He's the the, the five star freshman coming in. We didn't get to see a whole lot of Brandon Campbell. He's the redshirt freshman on the roster, and then Darwin Barlow. I really liked what he brought uh, from TCU. So bringing in a couple of veteran guys from the Pac-12, I think that gives you a much stronger uh, running back room for something that you know Lincoln Riley had to work with. And remember, like we've these those Oklahoma offenses, they ran the ball uh, really well. So I think he's got some options of different body types that he can use, and some of the veteran leadership coming in. And I I don't think any of those guys are going to feel they're behind because obviously it's going to be a new offensive system running in. But I like the way it's spread out. you got two freshmen, a sophomore, a junior, and a senior. We've seen some kind of lopsided, like where the guys are on scholarship chart uh, in that running back room. Now it's more distributed evenly, and I think you got some different body types that he can work with.
0: Mm -hmm. Um,
1: As far as... Wide receivers go. I know last year USC tried to supplement some depth issues with like a Katie Nixon. What do you see from this crop of transfer portal guys?
2: So Terrell Uh, Bynum from Washington. I mean, he was all Pac 12 honorable mention, I think. Uh, But if you look at that, it's like one, two, three, four, five. Like there's seven sophomores and then like one freshman, uh, John Jackson, the third. He's still out there to junior. And then Bynum's the, the one senior there. But like Mario Williams, there's a lot of upside, you know, him being a true sophomore. You know, Brendan Rice, of course, you know, another uh, Pac-12 guy from, from Colorado. So it's it's going to look different, you know. But we, I like the way, t- t- way Taj Washington looked. I mean, Kyle Ford coming back. I think he has some good options in that receiver room. I don't know what you think, Shotgun.
0: I think that when USC went to Colorado this time, they got a much better addition. Um, unfortunately, <laughs> Katie Katie Nixon wasn't able to produ- produce much for USC. Um, I think he had four or five catches. He had a touchdown in the very the very last pass of USC season, I believe. So just wasn't able to add much there. Um, a guy that I thought would be a little bit more dynamic and be able to do some different things. Now, Taj Washington, obviously, I think that this actually helps him because now you can move him in a slot more if you want. Um, I, I think it gives you just some more options there. Terrell Bynum is a guy that can play inside or outside as well. Uh, it, it's interesting to look at the body types that they uh, uh, went after. You know, Mario Williams, Terrell Bynum, smaller guys, whereas Brendan Rice is a bigger guy on the outside. So we'll see how they kind of use those body types together. Uh, they, they've been able to mix and match a little bit at Oklahoma in the past, if that's something they, they try to do as well. If you're trying to get a guy like Mario Williams or Malik Brown kind of matched up one-on-one, you know, can you get those guys in the slot and get them against a the linebacker or a safety and be able to use your quicks there? Those are things that I'm kind of interested in. I'm really – fascinated and intrigued by the offense that Lincoln Riley brings. And I'm excited to study what he ends up doing with the the personnel on USC's roster. That, uh, that I think that's going to be really fun when it's been, you know, I, I think he's going to be more adaptable to the talent on the roster than we've seen in the past with some of the coaches.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. It's funny. Like you look at, if you just brought Lincoln Riley in with the current, you know, with the roster that you had at the end of 2021, obviously it's very different right now. Um, you're like, oh, you know, you could probably fit some of these guys and, and work with them, and still have something that looks that looks good. I mean, it should be a huge head, you know, head start with like being able to change your roster this much. I just don't think anyone realized how this, you know, free agency area, this transfer Palooza thing, uh, really could make this big of a difference right away. And it, it seems like it is. And and he's obviously not done. I mean, he talked about you're essentially recruiting all the way up until August. I mean, there's a kind of a crazy period now trying to get guys into school right now, and you you have like another four or five days. So after, you know, the next four or five days, it's probably going to slow down more because then, you know, there's still an academic calendar. You still want to be able to get into school, participate in spring football, but we've seen a bunch of transfers after spring football. You may remember Jay Toya like blows up during spring football at USC and then transfers to UCLA. So there's gonna be a whole nother period of this after spring ball, but at least... He's getting the roster to a point where, okay, it's going to look a lot closer to what he wants than what it was just a couple months ago. You see what you have in spring ball, and then you can kind of make some changes there. Like, oh, you know, we still need a couple pieces in this position, that position, whatever it is. Plus, you still might, you know, lose a couple guys. So, right now, my count, I think it's up to 78 players. Let me see real quick. I think it's uh, uh, 78 players on the scholarship distribution chart um you know and you know that's including all the defections for the nfl and the guys transferred in transferred out so we'll see they still got some some wiggle room there some guys to play with uh there's probably gonna be some more guys leaving but you can you know they can add you know seven more or so right now and the new rule this year is you could actually sign more than 25 guys uh you can do you you can do up to 32 to replace any transfers obviously usa has a lot of transfers out. So there's a bunch of guys they could replace.
1: Mm-hmm. Now I know we've talked about the the worst case scenario, if you will, about USC's quarterback situation. Say they do get Caleb Williams, do you still want to add more quarterbacks out of the portal? I mean, we've seen seasons where USC's gone through three quarterbacks who've gotten hurt. Do you would you feel better if you if you kind of padded that room a little bit?
2: It could do preferred walk on, uh, you know, kind of situation where you bring in somebody like we saw with Mo that's transferring in like that. Uh, you know, he's had experience in the SEC. That's probably hard to find. But there I think there's still some options there. Um, it might be hard to bring someone in, but if they know they're coming in for depth, uh, it's probably not a, a bad option. I I don't think there's really any option in the 2022 uh, class that, you know, you could bring in as a true freshman. But um, if you bring in, you know, Caleb Williams and you still got two guys on the roster, someone else for depth would be great. It, but it might be on the preferred walk-on side.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a really tough uh, position to add um, you know quarterbacks there's only one of them that plays at a time and usually there's only one of them that plays for a season as long as there's uh, you know everyone stays healthy uh chris Hummer had an interesting um, stats earlier this week from 2010 to 2019 63 percent of four and five stars uh, quarterbacks transfer at least once and then the last uh, four or five years here from 2016 to 2019 we've seen 68 percent of four and five star quarterbacks transfer so it's possible after spring I think that's when you maybe you'll see a couple quarterbacks go in hey I didn't win the starting job I'm not going to get a chance here do I want to enter the transfer portal now or uh, you know a a new offense has come in and, and you know I tried it out for the spring didn't really fit my style so maybe I go into the transfer portal can USC pick up somebody then Uh, it's still going to be really tough because if caleb williams actually comes then you know he's going to be the starter you're not competing for that spot you know it's a little bit different where if if usc brings in uh you you know uh, even a jt daniels right now and he's competing with miller moss and somebody else says hey i think i can get in that mix and i can beat somebody then maybe you can add an extra person for depth and for for competition but if it's caleb williams i don't think that's the case
1: We're Getting closer to the top of the hour, so I'm going to jump into some questions. Yeah, that sounds good. Uh, first one is from Bill on Facebook, who I love this. He put transfer Palooza question, so very specific there. He said, "Which transfers, transfers, or transfer uh, so far will have the biggest immediate impact next season?"
2: <sighs> That's a good question. Um, looking at the list, I mean, I think, uh, I mean, I, I think you're going to look on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, it could be. Um, you know, one of the defensive linemen, uh, you know, Shane Lee, the linebacker. I think th- I think someone on defense is where they're going to need the most help. Like, you might see a Travis Dye blow up or Terrell Bynum, someone like that. But I, I think it's going to be more on the defensive side. I don't know. What do you think, Shotgun? Or Keeley, I, I
0: mean, the, the first guy that pops to mind is Bobby Haskins. He's going to come in. He's going to be a starter from day one. So, you know, that's a guy that's going to be on the field for potentially 700, 800 plays next season. I, I think that's really big. Um, you know, Troy Die, or Travis Dye, he did it again. <laughs> uh, I, I remember Troy having a, the, the big game against USC, I think in 2018, when he had the club on his hand, uh, you know, and he was playing against USC there as a linebacker uh, against USC. But Travis is going to come in. He's a guy that gets the end zone. He finds the end zone. I think he had 28 career touchdowns, if I remember correctly, off the top of my head, over 3,000 yards. He's going to come in and provide leadership for that group and also is going to show guys – Hey, this is how you pick up that third down. This is how you get in the end zone and get those tough yards. He has that knack for it, and maybe he can lend a little bit of, uh, of advice to those younger guys and help them along as well. I think Brandon Campbell could have a, a you know could really take off this year. Same thing with Darwin Barlow if those guys are healthy. And the thing is, running backs you always need multiple guys because they never stay healthy for an entire season. So you're going to need those guys on the defensive side. Romelo Height, I mean, you know, like I said, looking at his tape and looking at uh, you know his ability to get pressure on the quarterback and the fact that there's a big void right there. When Drake Jackson leaves, you get you got a big hole there to fill and they just don't have the talent stacked up behind him at that position. You know, technically on the roster right now, USC only has two outside linebackers. You got Rajon Davis and you got Garrison Madden the freshman they just signed. Now, Corey Foreman's also going to play on the edge as well, Um, and he's going to fill up one of those spots on the edge, and you'll probably have Thule and Nick Figueroa playing on the the edge as well as a defensive end, outside linebacker, and those depending on how Alex Grinch wants to use them. But I think there's a big opportunity for Height to come in and uh, at minimum be in on pass rush uh, downs and potentially taking over a starting role as well.
1: See, I'm going to go with Mario Williams, especially because when you saw uh, once uh, Drake London got hurt, USC's offense had to completely change because they didn't have a reliable ride with wide receiver. Wow. Um, so I just think Mario Williams, you need a guy like that in the wide receiver room. And now, you, like you said, Ryan, you have a Kyle Ford and, and other guys in that room. But I just think having that marquee guy is going to elevate the offense overall.
2: Especially if Caleb Williams comes in. Yes. I think his his stock goes way up. If you, you know, There's no stock neutral there, Keely, if, uh, <laughs> if Caleb comes in too. Stock
1: neutral just because there's no
0: stock neutral at all.
1: No, that's false, Shadi. That's
0: false. Yeah, no, I'm not giving you anything. Look, I wore I wore a uh, I wore a California Angels <laughs> hat here. That's enough. Well, I'm not giving you giving you, oh. giving you any. Uh, that's really, on stock neutral. That's really me. cool of you. That's really nice. Yeah. Thank you,
1: Shadi. Um, we had a question from but, Joseph.
0: Oh, sorry. Go for it, Shadi. Really quick on Mario Williams. Obviously, instant impact uh, on, on the the football field, but could potentially play baseball for USC as well.
1: What's the impact there?
0: Ah, uh, speed. just he brings a ton of speed, and if he gets on base and still bases usC, um you know they have a couple of really athletic guys right now, and you know they could if they add another one, if he it, it can be eligible for baseball and is able to to participate in that, then you know just adds another weapon for that uh, that offense..
1: Mm-hmm. We got a question um from Brian who wanted to know what the latest latest is on Michael Trigg. That's a guy who we've actually seen in official visit photos with Jackson Dart., uh, what's his status right now?
2: it doesn't seem like he would be coming back. I know people are kind of holding out hope, but um you know, it's just one of those things where you want to see what what else is out there and you know, they him and uh, Dart were taking some pictures together on some of those visits. I mean, anything can happen. He could eventually end up back at USC, but my if I had to bet right now, I think he's going to end up somewhere else. I don't know what you guys think.
0: Shotty. Yeah, pretty much the same. I mean, uh, Jackson Dart, maybe he comes back. You know, tight end and quarterbacks a little bit different. Um, if there's an opening for Jackson Dart, if Caleb Williams does not come, maybe that's something where USC reaches out. I-, I think USC would love to have the playmaking ability of Michael Trigg, but it, with everything that's happened, him going and visiting some of the other schools, it just feels more and more like he's, you know, leaning on being closer to home, which is in Florida.
1: Mm-hmm. We had a question about Josh Connerly and Ryan you actually saw him recently in Hawaii welcome back mm-hmm. by the way thank you it was crazy uh how was the Polynesian Bowl?
2: Poly Bowl was great uh it was good I didn't go two years ago and they didn't have one last year in the pandemic but I'd gone the couple years before that so I just was there for the week of practice I didn't get to uh stay for the game um but there were some big name players that were USC commits. We didn't get that. We were supposed to see CJ Williams, but he wasn't able to make it out. Um, you know, he's at USC now, uh, but seeing the Bishop Gorman kids, um, Zion Branch and, uh, uh Fabian Ross, uh, I thought they both did well playing in the secondary, but Josh Connerly was the big one. You know, the, um, you know, Rainer beach, uh, five-star offensive tackle and one of the best players in the country. That's not uh, committed top rated offensive lineman. Certainly someone that's, uh, you know, on USC's radar and USC would love to bring in someone like that. That would be a huge boost, not a transfer, just bringing in a five-star freshman uh, offensive lineman. I mean, he's, he's got a good relationship with, uh, um, with, you know, Lincoln Riley. It seems like there's uh, a good chance for USC in that one. Um, you know, talking to some sources around there, uh, you know, it seems like he'd like to leave the North, the Pacific Northwest, but maybe not go all the way to SEC country. Uh, Michigan do, does seem like the the leader right now, but I think USC is right up there. And we only get to see him in one practice. And it was it's unfortunate they weren't having uh, pads in their practices, which they were doing before. They didn't do that this year. There were some issues with jerseys or whatever it was. But we didn't get to see, like, the full-on offensive linemen thumping each other with defensive linemen one-on-one kind of stuff. We mostly saw footwork drills from him. But talking to a scout that just watched him play in person for the first time, like, yeah. Uh, he's the real deal, just body type and all that kind of stuff. There's just not a lot of guys like that on the West Coast, so I think it's a priority for USC. So I don't, I don't think USC's the the leader in the clubhouse. I think Oregon could come on uh, later in this, but you know, but the guy I talked to that that, I, that knows the situation pretty well thought it was like a one-two thing with Michigan and USC right now. So we'll see where the, the Trojans end up uh, in this race. But that would be as far as signing day stuff goes. I mean, USC brought in a couple of five stars already, but. Bring in a five star offensive lineman, you know, kind of that late in the process. I think would be huge for Lincoln Riley.
1: Mm-hmm. We had a question on YouTube from AKA Boone who said, "Who's going to make the biggest long term impact of the transfers?" in? I'll put up the the chart Ooh. again just because. <laughs> oh, everyone needs a refresher.
0: Hmm. Um, I it, the the first name again is Mario Williams, first year. Guy, uh, I mean, so he's got three years of eligibility. He was just a fre- true freshman this year. Was a freshman All-American for uh, at least one or two publications. Um, and, and then I think again, I go back to Romello Height. I think he has a chance to come off the edge and, and be a legit pass rusher that can be a big impact guy. I um, mean, you know, if he takes over a starting job. So uh, that's one on offense. One. On-
2: mm. Yeah, I, I would go. I agree with you on those. I think you, you got to get someone that's coming in that was a freshman this past year. So. Uh, some of the seniors are not going to be as much of a long-term sort of thing. Like you talk about Haskins, like, yeah, he's going to start at left tackle probably for USC this year, but it'll be for one year. So, uh, you know, especially Caleb Williams comes in, it could be Mario Williams and him for the next couple of years.
0: Mm -hmm. He's possibly going to start at left tackle. Let's not throw that out there just yet. Uh, You know, I I think that Jonah Monheim and and, uh, Cortland Ford could take a big jump in their game. And also if Josh Connerly commits to USC, I wouldn't put it past him coming in and being able to start as a true freshman somewhere on that offense line. Maybe not a left tackle, maybe that's a right tackle, but I think he would be right in the mix as well. Interesting.
1: Um, We had a question about, uh, we actually got multiple questions about this. A special teams coordinator, that's not something that was uh, labeled or specifically gone after like we've seen in the Hilton era. What What are you expecting as far as that?
2: Yeah, I mean, I, you know, we've seen during the Pete Carroll era that they were it was more of a shared responsibility. Um, I haven't seen if there was one coach that's sort of going to run it. Like, I think Johnny Nansen had done that before when he'd be like coaching running backs or something, but also running special teams, uh, but not a dedicated special teams coach that was hired by the staff. And we saw that, I think, more when there was only nine assistant coaches. Now that you're allowed 10, it seemed like people would bring in uh, you know, a special teams coordinator. But, you know, that's not what Lincoln Riley's is doing. So I'm I'm not sure how that, that's going to be distributed. We'll see probably more when spring football starts. But, yeah, no dedicated special teams coordinator this time. Shadi, I know. Go ahead.
1: No, I was just going to say, I know you've tracked special, special teams for years now. <laughs> I feel like you're the one to ask
0: about this. I just thought it was interesting that the Packers only wanted to put 10 guys out there for that final field goal. Um, No, I I think that it it was very interesting when they announced all the coaches that there was not anyone announced as a special teams coach, which kind of gives you a little bit of pause. Hmm. Special teams are important. They aren't the most important thing. And if you put up 50 points, they usually aren't the catalyst for determining the win or loss. But – when you, when you struggle one game, special teams become that much more uh, important. And so we'll, we'll see uh, what they exactly they do there and if they decide to give that title to someone down the road as well.
2: Yeah, I mean, the Packers, I mean, I assume they're going to fire their special teams coordinator, right? Like the you know punt block and field goal block or whatever. It's like, ooh, that was, that was bad. He gone. He's got to be gone.
1: We got a question from Big T who said, Do we know the status of Mananoa Tufono? Big on him coming out of high school.
0: I mean, we haven't seen him in over a year, so my assumption is that similar to Casey Collier, who we saw already enter the transfer portal, who we didn't see around for much of the year this past or much of the season this past season, I would assume that, that Menino Tufano will be gone. But again, we have not heard anything specific. Uh, we have not heard why he was not with the team other than it was a personal reason.
1: All righty. Uh, we got a question if we can go more detail about the two cornerbacks, uh, the one from Colorado and the one from Oklahoma.
0: Uh, All right, so you get Makai Beckin, Beck Blackman is coming in from Colorado. Um, he's a guy that is experienced. He's going to be a six-year guy this year. And he's also went through a lot of things. He, he went to junior college to begin with. You know. He got to Colorado and had some success early, then had a season-in injury, um, has have been you know nicked up in multiple seasons. So I think the, the experience that he has is going to be great to be able to teach to those younger guys. And I wrote a little bit about that, talked with him about how he's coming in and, and you know talking to him. He wasn't too worried about the playing time. He says, I know who I am. I know what my abilities are, so I'm not worried about that part. He said, I, you know, I'm coming in to, to be able to help the younger guys. And I think that's critical. I think that that's a great potential pickup for USC there. Um, and depending on what he can give you on the field, if he gives you a ton, that's great. But if he's just coaching up those younger guys, I think that's really big for for that group as well because there's just there's not any experience left on on that rot at the cornerback spot. You know, you lose your your top two guys, your starters to the draft, but you also lose Jaden Williams, who was the guy that graded out the best from that group and you know was the guy that got the most reps as a backup this season. So, you know, you're basically turning over that entire position as far as anybody with experience. So him coming in, I think will really, really big. And then Latrell McCutcheon, the the Oklahoma transfer, you know, got a, a good amount of playing time this year. And show and outside of the Texas game, he struggled in the Texas game, gave up a couple of big, big plays in that game. Outside of that, he was pretty locked down. So I think that's a big addition as well because he's a guy that can continue to grow in this defense and could you know, be a potential starter from day one for USC. So you get Blackman in there and he can provide some experience. And he's also played, He last season he played in the slot almost as much as he played on the outside. So he can play inside or outside. So it gives you some options as well. But just adding his depth, uh, adding his experience uh, and some extra depth to that locker room and that position group, I think is really big.
2: And just a guy like Blackman, I mean, when you're talking about guys that were, I mean, he was a captain. Uh, on the Colorado yep. team, you know, so like things like that, you're like, okay, these are, these are quality players that are being added. Now, sometimes they might be limited for injuries. I think he only played nine games uh, in 2021, but that's a, I mean, it's a, it's a level, it's a higher level of player that's being added. So, you know, it's hard to bring in all these different pieces and try to make it fit. That's going to be up to the The coaching staff and that's going to be their job but you look at the players as individuals and it looks like okay you can there's a you can see the reason why behind each one of these guys why they were brought in Mm
1: -hmm. Uh, we've we've gotten multiple questions about brandon peely and his health status Uh, if you remember i believe in spring he tore his achilles uh, so obviously was out for uh, the 2021 season Um, what are you expecting for him going forward and how important is he to that position
2: group yeah, I haven't heard any update on his. That's, a, that's a, obviously a tough one to bounce back from, as far as injuries go. It's you know one of the longer ones for for rehab wise. But and we thought even you know going into 2020, he was just going to be could be a, a super important part of this defense and adding the size. And we saw that they just kind of lacked uh, that size at that position. I think they're going to you know try to fill that out with the transfer portal. But if he's able to come back and be healthy, I think he's someone that would fit well in Alex Grinch's system. So we'll we'll have to see but hopefully he's going to be recovered at that point.
0: We have seen him in some of the videos and stuff that USC has been posting. We've seen him in the background. He's been doing some of the workouts as far as the, you know, the weightlifting Not sure if he's been able to be on the field and be cleared there to be able to run and, you know, be able to sprint on that torn Achilles. But I think that's a, that's a positive sign because we just didn't see him around the team very often. We did see him at the games and that was about it. Uh, But for him to be back out and be able to do some of the workouts, I think that's a positive sign for USC and he brings not only does he bring size and you can use him as a run stuffer, you know, as a true, uh, you know, true nose, right, uh, head up on the center, but he's also experienced. He has plenty of experience. He's played for three seasons. He was expected to be that guy last year, and USC really missed that guy last year with him being out and then Ishmael Sopcher never being, uh, you know, being able to be healthy. So they really missed a true uh, zero tech nose tackle there. Now, in Alice Grinch's system, he likes to use smaller guys that are quicker. But I think he can still utilize a guy like Brandon Peeley and use him in different ways. And your best your best coaches will adapt to their talent rather than trying to make their talent adapt to the, the their scheme. So uh, we'll see how he tries to use them. But he is around and he is doing some of the workouts. So I think that's, that's a good sign for USC right
2: now. Yeah, that, that Kansas State transfer, Tyrone Tolini, he's more of that, like, I think he's 235, something like that. So he's a little bit smaller. So maybe that he'll fit that system better. But like you said, Shotgun, um, you know, you could use a guy like that. You could always use a run stuffer, someone that's going to take up some space in the middle.
1: Mm-hmm. We got a question from John on YouTube this time. He said, how do you guys think spring football will look under Lincoln Riley compared to the Helton era? And I'm going to add on to that. I remember I put in the war room a couple months ago, uh, Riley started USC's workouts, winter workouts in January uh, under Clay Helton. They started it in February. So we're already seeing uh, those, those videos come out of the early morning workouts. I know Chris Trevino loves playing CSI Parastyle. And trying to understand what we can grab from those those videos. First off, anything stand out about those videos? Then we can get into John's question. Just from
2: talking uh, to some of the yeah, talk, quick talking to some of the players and just seeing what they. I mean, it looks like they're working hard again. And you know, every time a new strength staff and stuff comes in, it's always the greatest. It's you know cool or whatever. It just uh, I I liked what um, you know Bobby Steiner had had brought. Uh, you know, we were hearing some positive things just the results didn't seem all that well and uh you know th- what we're hearing now is just like okay these are serious workouts uh they're not like the full just how much can you bench like Aaron Osmus um but there's functional strength stuff going on but they're they seem to be pretty difficult that the players are kind of going through so i think that's a positive sign i don't know if they start spring practice a little earlier because they started the workouts earlier or uh we just don't know at this point it's what we're going to see from Lincoln Riley, I think it's going to be huge this spring. I mean, is they're going to are we even going to be able to allow the watch? Can fans watch? Media, um, you know, what? You know, how is it going to be structured? It was had the we've seen the same structure where it's like three a week, you know, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday for you know, as long as Keeley's been here and as long as I can remember. Yeah. Does that change? Some some coaches want to get it done in a month. Sometimes they spread it out over two. So we just don't know at this point. They haven't announced, but uh, yeah, we're we're waiting on that one because it, it's it's definitely going to be something we're going to have to watch.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Shoddy. Yeah, I think the the things that I noticed from the videos is seeing guys like Terrell Bynum are already on campus, so a couple of the transfers were already there. Um, the the thing with spring, I think with the workouts starting earlier, the things I've heard about the workouts is that they're much longer. Uh, that they're you know they're hour and a half workouts when before, and this was the, probably the biggest difference that I was told was you know with with Bobby Steiner's workouts, it was more. You're on the clock. You're running from exercise to exercise. It's a cardio workout at the same time where you're getting your your reps in as well. Whereas this is kind of more old school. It's you know power lifts. Um, you're still doing those functional strength like Ryan talked about, but it's a longer workout. You know you're getting some some max you know some three sets of fifteen style of, of reps in, in there and sets. So I, I think that you're going to see it's, it's going to be different. And the players have already said that it's different. But uh, you know like Ryan always says. We can't really identify the strength and training, the positives and negatives, because that's not something we can go see. Uh, we don't get the workouts kind of get it handed to us to say, oh, what are they doing this day or this day. It's just we have to wait and see on the the results of the the players' bodies that we see physically, what they tell us, and then on on Saturdays in the fall, you know, how do they stacking up, particularly in the trenches?
1: Mm-hmm. Joseph wanted to know what are realistic expectations for Lincoln Riley in year one.
2: I, mean, I think they've been raised already. Um, I think competing for the Pac-12 South is something that's going to be a reality, especially if they bring in the right quarterback. You know, uh, that could be a limitation if they aren't able to get someone um, that you know is experienced or you know, like like a you know Caleb Williams. But yeah, I feel like the way he's turning over the roster and they're not done. I think by the time we get to the season, you're going to look at this team and go, "Yeah, it's going to be." So much better coach than it was before. The roster is way better. Um, yeah, they, there's no reason they shouldn't be able to compete for the Pac-12 South or, or you know win the Pac-12. So I I think they're trending in that direction. Um, is that realistic? I don't know. Did, for the first year head coach to take over, we just haven't seen roster turnover like this before. But you can turn over the roster that fast. I know you got to learn the system and all that. I think that's what the expectations are going to be.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely think the expectations have been been raised uh, just because. You know, I thought that there were some areas, there are still some deficiencies and they've done a really good job of attacking those as that I didn't think they would be able to do as well as thorough a job so far in the transfer portal. I mean, obviously it's a big game changer, the transfer portal and just the fact that numbers of how much turnovers have been where a lot of times it takes a year kind of to weed out, you know, the players that you don't want and be able to bring in the guys that you do want that's seeming to be done this season. So I think that just raises what I would expect in year two. I think maybe now you expect it in year one, especially when, once you get a quarterback and you, you see where they can go from there.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, James on Facebook wanted to know, uh, is there an update on Jake Smith? Is he healed and ready to go shock? And I believe we had a very brief conversation with him. I believe at Cal it was towards the end of the season. Uh,
0: I don't remember. It wasn't a Cal. He wasn't there for that oh, one. that uh, makes but, sense. Um, at a home game, yeah, he said he was progressing, and the the hope for him was to be, and the plan was to be ready for spring ball, for spring ball, and if he's ready to go, then then you add another speedy weapon for USC on the outside.
1: Mm-hmm. We got a question: if we can highlight Talanoa Hufunga's play yesterday? We were talking about it pre uh, pre show.
2: Yeah, pretty cool, and uh, it was funny. I was talking about the Polynesian Bowl, and I think I tweeted this out where you see, you know, Talanoa is just a great dude. Um, I mean, I covered him when he was in Hawaii and he's like, you know, he was a communication major. He wanted to, he asked me questions about like my job because he was interested in doing that stuff. And while he was there, I had him interview. It was one of the players, I think it might've been one of those offensive linemen that ended up at Oregon or whatever that USC didn't get, but you know, he was trying to recruit them, but he was like doing interviews on camera. I gave him the mic and he was doing, it was, it was he did a great job. Just someone that you want to root for. And super ha- nice. Yeah. haven't heard that much, uh, you know, the San Francisco 49ers. This year, but to be in on that special teams play, to the awareness he picked it up, super smooth. The block punt, you know, you know as uh, Green Bay was backed up, you know, it was a great play to block the punt. He picks it up and runs it in, and it's one of those things where you're like thinking about the rule, like, wait, can you advance that? What's going on? It's like, nope, touchdown. And I was like, you know, their touchdown. San Francisco didn't have a touchdown to that point, so he scores their touch, you know, the touchdown in yeah. this game. Uh, Great, great for him. So it was a great moment. You know, USC tweeted out everyone was, you know, the 49ers did. So great for Talanoa. Mm -hmm.
1: We've reached the top of the hour. So if you have any burning questions, some rapid fire questions, get them in. I'll be sure to read them. Uh, We had a question from Joseph who said, uh, USC's defense has struggled with pass rush. Do you see that improving under Lincoln Riley?
0: I mean, you got to get the guys. You got to get some experienced guys. You got to get those elite pass rushers. Can Corey Foreman be healthy and on the field? You know, he was getting to the quarterback at a pretty good rate. He was the USC. He had the best um, pass rush win percentage, I believe it was, uh, of anybody on USC's team. I think it was at 20.5, his pass rush um, pressure to his pressure rate. Actually, um, was twenty point five, so he's getting there about one every five snaps. Whereas Drake Jackson was, I think, nineteen point five. Those two were the highest. Romelo Height, the guy that just the kid they just picked up today from Auburn, was at twenty three point one. So that tells you they got a couple guys that have been able to get to the quarterback in the past. Now, can you take that next step? Can you turn that pressure into a QB hit? Can you turn that pressure into a sack? You turn it into the game-changing plays, the, the sack fumbles and stuff. That'll be the next thing, but you got to add some more pieces. You can't just have two pass rushers. I think Nick Figueroa, if he's back healthy, I think that adds a huge piece for USC. He had the best pass rush win percentage for USC in 2020, but obviously was never healthy this year, so uh, that's a, a, another piece, and then we'll see if tulu tulu takes another step forward. Yeah. He was yeah. Mr. Consistency for USC, but that's not his specialty. Um, he's more of being able to hold the ground and do some different things there. He can also get to the quarterback a little bit but we'll see if he can take another step. He's played for two years now. You forget that this is his third. He's He feels like the, the oldest veteran on the team right now, him and Nick Figueroa, but Tule's only been there for, for two years, so going into his third year, can he take another jump? He's been really good from where we saw him senior year to freshman year, and then freshman year to sophomore, of taking some jumps, so we'll see what he's at, what he's got uh, in spring and then in the fall as well. Mm-hmm. And there's
2: talent acquisition, and USC's been good at that over the years, and there's player development, and USC's lacked there, and I think with a guy like Corey Foreman, some guys come in and they're just ready-made and they just come and play. Some guys need some help and it looks, you know, he wasn't able to get on the field all the time. I think you need a good coaching staff in place to help him along and sh- get him to shine to where that five-star talent is. If they can do that, he's obviously going to be a great pass rusher for USC.
0: Mm-hmm. And don't forget he missed a complete season. Yeah. That yeah. that really hurts. When you miss a season and you're not able to play, especially when you're healthy, then you know he's going to take a little bit of time to get caught up and then be able to take that next step as a freshman.
1: Mhm. had a question from Rob on Facebook who said with all the transfers coming in, what will national signing day look like? What kind of targets are uh, positional needs?
2: There's a couple big guys out there. I just put up highlights from Dave Aluli. I think Illouly that's Aluli. Right yeah. Um, I, one of the greatest kids in the 2022 class. Uh, he's from the State of Washington also, four star. Offensive lineman, he was awesome at uh, Polynesian Bowl practices. I put up some highlights of him. Uh, he's got USC in his top three with Oregon and Miami. Uh, so he had a really he was committed to to Oregon, and he likes Mario Cristobal a lot, who's now at Miami. So someone like that, we already mentioned Josh Conley. Uh who's the the San Diego cornerback, sh- shotgun. Yeah, um, so there's some names out there. If USC adds a couple. You Know potential five star guy, a four star guy, or two that helps with the class as well. Uh, I mean, you're gonna get a bunch of transfers, but any more dudes you can add, there's still a few names out there.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, we got a sorry, sorry, go for it, Shadi. Should mention Connor Lee is not going to be signing on National sure, Signing Day. Yeah. Um, he's taking he wants to take some visits and he's gonna have to wait till March to do that. So that one won't be something for USC, but. Iuli is a guy that USC is definitely looking at and you know would like to, to be able to close the deal there. It's going to be tough with Miami and obviously the connection he has with Cristobal. But then Florence is down, announced today that he is down to his top two, which is USC and Oregon, where he was previously committed. So can the Trojans uh, steal one from the Ducks there?
2: And for Dave, Josh Henson, the offensive line coach, was actually the first coach to offer him a scholarship when he was a freshman, but that was at Texas A&M.
1: We got a question from Mark Watkins who said, will John Davis be given a real chance to win a starting linebacker spot? And this was something that was really interesting just to watch progress over 2021 because it seemed like the defensive coaches were really high on Davis and wanted him to get more playing time. And then we never really saw that take hold. What do you expect from him going forward?
0: I mean, he has to get given a real shot because there's not the bodies there anymore. So uh, with the attrition that USC has had, I think that he's definitely in the mix, especially at the outside linebacker position. Now, where do they line him up? He can play inside, he can play outside. That's something to to see again. That was something two years ago when Todd Orlando was. Where is everybody lined up? You know, once the defense you get your players and you you arrive at spring camp, the first day you're looking. All right, where is everybody lined up? What positions are they are they playing? You know, what what defense are they actually starting out in the very first snap?
1: Mm-hmm. We had a question from Andrew who said, "Who are your top two returning starters on both sides?"
2: Top two returning starters. Um, Andrew
0: Voorhees on on the offensive line uh, is number one. And then probably Brett Nelon on the offensive line.
2: I think that's probably where you'd have to go because you wouldn't do running back, uh, probably not receiver, definitely not receiver because... Tight end. Yeah, it's just like I think you have to go on the offensive line. There's not a lot
0: of returning starters on the offense, uh, especially if Jackson Dart does not return to USC. So you're left with basically... You know, the offensive lineman, and then, you know, uh, Taj Washington. That's about it. Maybe Garrett Bryant. You could throw him in there as well. You could yeah. include him as a starter. Um, on the defensive side.
2: Thule probably, right? Thule.
0: Thule, Thule, and Nick Figueroa are guys you're looking at. But, uh, you know, the safety position. Can Xavion Alford take another step in his game? That's a guy to watch. Kalen Bullock. Where do you line him up? What Do you play him at free? Do you play him at strong? Do you play him at nickel? Do you play him at cornerback? You can play him all over the place. He's a guy that I think is going to take another big jump, especially yeah. uh, working in the weight room, going to be even stronger than he was last year. Uh, I think the kid's a star, um, and, and I think that he's a guy to definitely keep your eyes on going forward. it
1: yeah. will be really exciting to see him ne- uh, next year. Uh, we got a question from a different Andrew who said, what are some potential negatives to bringing in so many transfers?
2: Well, I mean, there's always chemistry in the locker room, right? That's one of the things. And sometimes it takes a little while. We saw, uh, you know, it worked well at Michigan State. You know, they brought a bunch of dudes in. Um, Utah had a bunch of transfers. We've seen different programs do it. And sometimes it doesn't work. You know, there's just – there's. Square pegs, round holes kind of things going on. And so, especially when you're bringing guys in from all over the country. Now, it's a whole new staff, and I think everyone's sort of on the same page. It might be easier when you have a a new staff. There's not an established culture that people have been there. We saw some sort of like California versus Texas thing when USA had a bunch of Texas coaches and transfers and things like that. Um, Those sort of little clicks, I guess, that could go on the team. I feel like everyone's starting off with a clean slate, so maybe that helps. But certainly that's one of the, the disadvantages of bringing these guys in is um, you don't know uh, as far as like what it's going to be like in the locker room or guys going to get along. Is 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 it going to work system-wise, scheme-wise? And I mean, that's kind of where you have to trust the coaches to know. They know what they're going after. They're not just bringing in guys because they want to bring them in. I think when you're, you're high school recruiting, there's a little bit more of a crapshoot. You've actually seen these guys play in college, so – You hope the evaluations are a little bit better than what you would see from some of the high school guys.
0: We got a question. Just, just like Ryan said, it's affecting the culture. But USC doesn't have a culture, and when you lose basically half the roster as well, it's not like there's some solidified identity on this USC team. And hey, these guys are going to come in, and you know, it's the new guys versus the old guys everyone's new to the coaching staff pretty much so you know that's one of the things you worry about is favoritism and you know I think that there was that's why there was more of an issue at Utah early in the season. That at Michigan State, because again, that's a you know second year coaching staff. So there's not these established connections, guys that have been there four or five years together, and hey, now the coach is not playing me type of thing, even though I've been here for five years, and now you start seeing, you know, well, that's my buddy, and now I'm, you know, I'm not happy. And you get that little bit of dissension. I think that's where you can have more issues with an established culture like Utah has. Versus one like Michigan State or one that USC has.
1: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, Justin said, "What kind of impact can we legitimately expect from Malik Brown this year?
0: Playmaker. I mean, you know, I think they're going to find ways to get the ball in his hands. You know, he has that electricity about him. So that's a guy that I'm excited to see because he's the. I think he's the closest thing USC has had since Reggie Bush. Um, now, I'm not going to put that label on him." or anything like that, but it's the closest for USC since at least Joe McKnight. Um, So, you know, he's just electric when he gets the ball with his ability to make guys miss. We've seen other playmakers that do it in different ways, Ronald Jones with his one cut and just being able to turn on the Jets, but his ability to make people miss and then, you know, be able to go Raleigh Brown, I think is elite.
2: You see, like, the San Francisco 49ers, like a Debo Samuel kind of guy. He's, like, running in the backfield. He's, like, in this, like – Maybe it could be someone like that. He's catching passes out of the slot. He's, he's running the ball. I don't know. I mean, it'd be a playmaker like Jacques said. So it'd be fun to see where, what he can do.
1: Mm-hmm. But a question from AKA Boone, who said with the current roster, who are your ideal starting wide receivers?
2: Ooh, that's uh, a, that's
1: a tough one.
0: And, mm-hmm. and, I don't want to really answer this yet because I want to see Brendan Rice in practice. I want to see Mario Williams with my own eyes. You, know, you can watch some game film, but you can't really compare to the guys that USC has had until you see them kind of side by side. So I think that was a kind of a tough answer there. Um, you would look to those starters. You know, I think Mario Williams is the easy answer just because he's got a year of experience in Lincoln Riley's system. He's an elite playmaker himself. So you would think he's a guy that should be able to get in that mix from there. Do you use big bodies on the outside? Do you use all small guys? How are you using the tight end? Like, there's a lot of questions uh, that yet a bit yet to be answered. I think.
2: Yeah, I mean, Bynum's a you know six year player, like you said. Is he coming in to not start? I mean, my guy Kyle Ford, he's got to be out there. I mean, there's some options, and will they rotate guys like we you know we heard Graham Harrell say they were going to play 10, 12 guys like that never happened. Uh, will they use that a little <laughs> bit more in uh, in Lincoln Rally system? We'll see.
1: Ryan, I have dubbed you the Pac-12 guru, Okay, and we are going to your guru status now. We got a mm. question about uh, from Coley White. Wanted to know about Chip Kelly's extension, your thoughts, and I'm going to add on to it. Justin Wilcox as well got extended. Uh, your thoughts for the conference?
2: Yeah, for Wilcox, I mean, the, the guy was like fighting COVID. He was fighting the city of Berkeley and the health department, all this kind of stuff. Um, you know, Oregon was looking at him. He told them no. They needed to extend him. And, uh, you know, they should have been bull eligible this year. It just, things, you know, didn't really work out. Uh, he got a big win against USC at the end of the year, but I, I think that's justified. He's fighting a lot of battles there, and I think he's doing a, a good job at Cal. We'll see if their offense can kind of take a step. For Chip Kelly, that's a tough situation. There's a lot of UCLA fans that are not happy that he was extended. Um, you know, David Woods, who I do the podcast of champions with, was not extremely happy. There was some thought that he could have taken an NFL job. The extension took a really long time. What were they doing? He ends up getting a four year deal. I was joking that they should give him a ten year deal like a Mel Tucker or, or uh, someone like that. But yeah, so I, I feel like for UCLA, certainly you know, they took steps forward. They won their first out-of-conference game in the you know year four of Chip Kelly era. They had their first winning record going eight and four. Um, DTR is coming back. So I think there's some optimism there. Uh, but, you know, is he really going to be the guy? Can they rely on transfers and not really recruit at the high level? Lincoln Riley going to raise the bar as far as recruiting in Los Angeles. Chip Kelly wasn't doing a great job when he was going against Clay Helton when there was four- and five-star players for the pickings. And I think some of those choice guys – you know, they were going to Oregon and stuff before. Will they end up at USC? I think UCLA had some opportunities to kind of take some of those guys away, and they didn't really take advantage. What is he going to do now? I, I don't know if you can be as successful with only the OKGs, the are kind of guys. And I think that's what Chip Kelly has been trying to do. So I don't know. It's, I think Chip Kelly's extension is probably a good thing for, for USC fans, I would say.
1: Interesting. Yeah. Uh, we got a question from Phil on Facebook who said, with all the skill player signings, everyone keeps asking about the big uglies. What do you think the strategy is for the big boys?
2: Get some more.
0: Uh, yeah, <laughs> but I think that the strategy is much different when you have Andrew Voorhees and Brett Elon return versus leaving. You know, if you have two starters or, you know, one starter and a half returning, then obviously you're going to be mining a much, uh, a lot deeper uh, in the transfer portal for offensive linemen then you know, when you have a six-year guy coming back be- – or two six-year guys coming back, a guy with Andrew Voorhees that could end up with, like, 3,500, 4,000 snaps in his career. So, you know, when you bring those two guys back, the the need is not as imperative. And both Andrew Voorhees, Andrew Voorhees is one of the best uh, graded guys uh, in the Pac 12 last year, one of the top, uh, you know, on the West Coast at least. And Brett Nelon was one of the top centers in the Pac 12. So I-, I think you feel a lot more comfortable there. The other side, the defensive line, that's the question mark. And I think guys like Romello Height that they got today, he's an outside linebacker, but he's going to be pass rushing the majority of the time. He dropped into coverage. You know, probably less than 10% of the time this year. So very similar to what you saw from a Drake Jackson or a Corey Foreman about how much they drop into coverage. So I think that it's not as – I think they've been adding some bodies there. They just haven't got the big-name four- or five-star guy that's really caught everybody's eye. But it's still about adding some depth there, and they'll still be trying to do that as well. And
2: you might and have off- to wait. Uh,
0: yeah, you remember the offensive line is always the toughest place to add bodies in the transfer yeah. portal.
2: Yeah. yeah, And there's still a couple guys, you know, high school guys that you could bring in too. So if you bring, yeah. if you get a Josh Connerly, maybe you don't go and get somebody else. But if you don't, then you can bring someone out, you know, in after spring football, potentially.
1: In that same vein, we got a question on YouTube who was wondering, uh, they were wondering, going forward, will Lick and Riley go for the portal as much as we're seeing during this off season, Or is he going to rely on getting guys out of high school first?
2: I think it's a great question. I feel like it's going to be more of the high school guys for sure. I mean, just looking at the 2023 class coming up, I mean, there's five-star guys in there. He's going to recruit at a very high level there and you the transfer portal is here to stay. It's going to be part of it. I just think this year one is going to be the biggest part of it. There's, you know, you're seeing guys leave Alabama, and Georgia. They're having great success. Because if you build up a great roster, there's gonna be four or five star guys that are third string and they're just not gonna and they're gonna end up somewhere else. USC's got a couple guys from Alabama already. So I think year one is going to be the bigger one, but it's always gonna be part of it.
0: Yeah, I think Ryan is exactly right there. That this is out of necessity. You gotta go in, you gotta get guys and they're getting them in different classes to fill holes. Whereas and I think it's similar to how Andy Enfield has used the transfer portal. Where you're getting five star, four and really high four and five star guys as freshmen, uh, as high school guys to come in but you're also supplementing that with the transfer portal. And that's what Lincoln Riley did at Oklahoma as well. Remember, he's brought in some – he's done a really good job of mining the transfer portal before other people have, getting some offensive linemen starters and getting some other guys to come in as well. So I think he'll cherry-pick more in the future rather than it being out of necessity this season.
2: Yeah, he had a couple of Heisman winners out of the portal, so I think he's done a pretty good job there.
0: Also true. Heisman and Heisman Heisman runner-up, I believe. Yeah. Jalen Hurst didn't win.
1: A uh, James on Facebook said, "Will USC ever return to the big pocket passing quarterbacks like Palmer under Lincoln Riley?"
2: Mm, no.
0: It's it's kind of the game has gone away from that a little yeah. bit. But Josh Allen's a huge pocket passer, but he can also run over dudes. He's a six five guy that can run over people. So you know, if you get a guy like that, then sure. But there's going to be, mobility has just been, uh, it, it just adds that different element to the offense. And, you know, we've seen Lincoln Riley do it in two different ways. Baker Mayfield is not a dual threat quarterback in my mind. He can run and he can keep plays alive, but he's not a guy taking off all the time like Kyler Murray was. And you've seen Lincoln Riley use both of those guys in different ways. Yeah.
1: Uh, we got a question from uh Young Solo on YouTube who said, "Uh, with nil, do players get last names on jerseys for USC going forward?"
2: No, I don't think it that's hasn't a, been. Yeah.
0: It hasn't been talked about. Um, maybe that's something that USC looks at in the future, just because that is an extra avenue and opportunity. But uh, it's not something that USC fans, the traditionalists, would be happy about.
1: Do you, yeah? Do you risk changing that tradition, especially if? With nil, the school isn't really involved in in that money. I feel like money would be an incentive there, right?
2: Yeah, I mean, if it you're depends. trying to be identified as a player, but I don't, th- I don't, I think it wouldn't go as. I don't think the players would be as popular uh, if they put the names on the jersey. And you want to be identifiable. and It's tough in football because you're wearing a mask. It's not like you're in basketball. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I think. I mean, there's going to be you're going to weigh it right, and I think just stopping that tradition would probably have more harm than than good overall. As far as there's there's things you can do in Los Angeles to make money with name image and likeness, but I don't, I don't know if the, the bang would be worth it. You know, you want to get the best bang for your buck. Adding the names on the back of the jersey, I think would probably not, you know, the ratio wouldn't be great for the players. And for, certainly for the school.
0: Mm-hmm. It opinion, all depends but... on how much it could help with the recruiting.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. And we got a question from Tom on Facebook. He wanted to know what to expect from Miller Moss going forward.
2: Because see a touchdown pass in the game against Cal. Uh, you know, he, he found Kate, uh, Katie Nixon and uh, and did some use there. I like I like his game. I like the way he was able uh, to come in and play. We just didn't see a ton of him uh, game-wise, you know? So, yeah, I think it's he's a good option. I mean, we, he's already got some experience, which is nice. Um, you know, it depends how the quarterback room shakes out. He could be your starter in 2022. We just don't know.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, we got a question about USC's kickers. Uh, Parker Lewis entered the transfer portal. Alex Stadhouse did as well, but then returned after Parker Lewis went into the portal. Shotgun, you are our special teams guru. Uh, what are you expecting from USC's place kickers?
0: How come we all have to be gurus or something? You just right
1: here, do. I'm, I'm dubbing <laughs> it to
0: you guys. It's, I was uh...
2: critical of special teams, but Shotgun always counts how many people he counts, are on. So yeah, he's which of is guru. good. Yeah.
0: <laughs> um Yeah. As, surprising that you see Parker Lewis going to the transfer portal. I think that's been one of the biggest uh, surprises of of the group that has, has exited for USC. Um, And I think that, yeah, that's why Alex Stadhouse came back because he was looking to go somewhere else and get a scholarship as a, you know, as a walk-on guy. And maybe that we haven't got confirmation of it, but maybe that's what the, the, you know, coaching staff said, Hey, come back. We need a kicker. We'll give you a scholarship now.
2: Yeah. And then Ben Griffiths going pro, which I think, broke that or you saw that on the
0: yeah I mean he actually did not he didn't know social media presence about it but he's 30 years old so it was just time for him to, to go obviously he's going to go give that an opportunity he got married earlier during the season so it's time for him to go and try to you know make some money from it he's got an opportunity we'll see you know if he gets signed with a team or whatnot uh, but he his name was involved in the technically underclassmen that uh, that were eligible for the draft, which is interesting saying a thirty year old is an underclassman, <laughs> but that was the case for Britt Griffiths. You know, I already had a, you know, a nice eight year career in the AFL in the Australian football. Um, the Australian Rules League, and, you know, now he's got a chance to to try to make it in the NFL.
1: The best part is that he was really lighthearted in uh, the tweets because you tagged him, shotgun, <laughs> and someone was like, isn't he 40? And he actually responded was like, hey, man. He's like, I'm 30, mate. Spare me the 10 years. So yeah. I thought that was a great response by him.
2: And if you look at the scholarship distribution chart over at uscfootball.com, we're typically, we've seen over the years, five players on scholarship, uh, a lot. There's one right it's now, yeah, on, I'm sorry. On special teams, um, there's one right now at uh, Bertram, the the incoming freshman punter. Now, maybe Alex Stadhouse is put on scholarship. We'll see if that's the case. But we've seen multiple kickers, multi, you know, long snappers. Like there's been a lot of that. So there's not that. That's not the case right now.
1: Mm-hmm. All right, gentlemen. Shoddy. Yeah. Are there any questions that I missed in this whole shindig? Yeah, we we've had a
0: couple. Of, we've had a couple basketball questions. Oh, so well, I was going to ask minute. you about that. Yeah, Uh, shout out to the basketball team. 16 and 2 now. The best start for any USC team through 18 games since 1973, 74, 70, 71. Paul Westfall team. I can't remember. I was gonna say Paul Westfall, yeah. They finished 24 and 2 R.I.P. to Paul Westfall and passed away last year, I believe. Um, but yeah, the team is back to playing defense. You know, they they had a four-game spurt where they're coming off an 18-day COVID pause, they barely got to practice at all. They just not, did not look like the same team, and they dropped from being a top-five team, dropped down to 16th after losing two games last week. Bounced back this week, always difficult mountain trip where you go to Colorado, you're playing at elevation. You have to get on a plane again and go to Utah, playing at elevation. Uh, and it's, that was two games in a part of a 3-5 and five stretch, their second one in two weeks. Because USC will play their third game in five days tomorrow against Arizona State at 8 p.m. Arizona State, who was just reprimanded by the Pac-12 for for bumping the referees after the game, I believe it was. So, um, so, but I, I think they're getting back to the flow where they were before their COVID pause. Obviously, that took it had a big impact on them, and I think that this team can continue to get better as the season progresses. But it all starts on the defensive side, and we've seen that the last couple of games they had gone. I think it was 12 and 0. Um, or uh, 13 and 0 before their covid break no team had shot over 40% the next four games after the covid break uh they all shot over 40% and that's why they you know they lost two of those games the last two games back under 40% so the defense is back uh where it needs to be they'll continue to get better and if Drew Peterson plays like he did yesterday against uh Utah he was aggressive and he made five he was 5 for 5 on threes super efficient 9 for 10 23 points. Then USC has a chance to to do something special this year. I still think that that this is a, a team that could be really really good this year and do something uh, unique for them, even after an Elite Eight run last year.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, we got a lot of questions too, Shako. Why do you think they lost Oregon? I, I think it was partially that you're playing three games in five days. They didn't have their legs back from the COVID pause, and they weren't playing defense. You know, you saw in the first half of that game. They just did not have the energy, didn't have, you know, the, you know, weren't moving and and communicating on defense like they had done before, but it just it was a little bit lackadaisical. And I think that's partly they're just worn down by the, you know, you come off an 18-day pause. Literally, no one's allowed to practice. Literally the entire team, every single player on the team tested positive for COVID. So they were all they were all in quarantine. So no one could practice, no one could do anything. When they finally got out of quarantine, they had a, a, the first practice. I believe they had six guys that could practice, and they were still waiting on a couple guys to come out of quarantine before they could have a full practice. And they were playing like a day later, so they just did not have, you know, they, they didn't have the opportunity to get back to their defensive principles. So they basically went three weeks without practicing at all. And I don't know if you guys have ever tried to do something that you haven't done in three weeks when you've been playing it for, you know, two or three months straight a little bit rusty and that i think that was part of it for usc and then i think it wore down a little bit as that that second week uh went along yeah.
1: i mean we've been was, tripping over our words after a month off of tunnel vision so i can only imagine
2: <laughs> i was i mean i was at that game and it's just one of those things where you could tell like the the you know Oregon just came off a an overtime win over ucla they came out shooting lights out they were on fire and just kind of took the lead early there wasn't, you know, there's hardly any fans in the in the uh, Galen Center because of the, you know, the restrictions, and it just seemed, was, you know, the atmosphere wasn't great. It just, it just wasn't working. You had one team that was on a high, and another team that was trying to get back up there. I think USC now, like Shotgun said, they seem to be playing much better. But it just wasn't a great matchup. If they played him again this week, it might be a different story. But just the, the way it came out without the fans everything, it just was kind of dead in there.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and USC uh, has announced yesterday that they were, and if you guys checked out the War Room, that there will be fans uh, back in attendance. It will be at 50% capacity to begin with, and then they'll slowly try to work on that uh, going forward. But I think that's a big boost for them because USC at Colorado and at Utah were able to play in front of 7,000 fans. So I think that's really a big difference, especially when you're lacking energy, like they were against Oregon. Yeah. The the fans, the student section, if they were there for USC, that can you know bring it up. You know, we've talked with some players in the past about you know football practices when there's fans there and everything. Like you can come out and just be like, oh, I've had a rough day, and suddenly if it, you know Pete Carroll era, if there's fans there, you're like, oh, I gotta I gotta perform, I gotta get back back uh back in it. And uh, I think that was part of the the thing that that didn't help them in that game. There were some things that just didn't help them. They didn't play great and, you know, there weren't any things to to, to help out and pull them out of their funk ethereum. Mm-hmm.
1: Also, Ryan was there to cover the basketball game, which is just like, Ryan, <laughs> how did you do that?
2: Yeah, like, I think, uh, like Ryan Karshi from the LA Times, like, are you lost? Like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, uh, Adam Grossbard was like, hey, you you need to show, like, I can show you where the media room is. Like, yeah, okay, I don't go to a lot of basketball <laughs> games, but they were, they were joking around with me. It was fun. That's
1: good. Yeah, I was checking the window see the pigs were flying. So yeah. I was like, this is crazy. This is proud of <laughs> that, you, Russ.'"
0: That's why Keeley left, you know, because she's like, whoa, 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 this ain't right. This ain't, Ryan's right? at a basketball game.
1: Everything's upside down.
2: <laughs> I don't think they want me back because they lost, so, yeah. Yeah,
1: they, they rescind your credential. Uh, Shadi, I know there's always questions I miss. Anything you want to add in before we wrap it up? Yeah, we got to wrap it up. Uh,
0: nothing off the top of my head that I had, had uh, signaled, uh, except for a couple of questions about Solomon Tuli Alipupu. Um, You know, great to see him doing the workouts and stuff. But, hey, is he going to play this year? How many snaps is he going to play? The man's got to practice for a week consecutive uh, and get some reps with the first and second team. He took that big step, was able to practice on a on, uh, scout team, but need to get him in the rotation, and we'll see. And, you know, if he can, I look forward to seeing him play because that's a guy who's been fighting through it for three or four years now, not being able to play. It would be great to see him back out there and make an yep.
1: impact. Yep, for sure. All righty. Any final thoughts, gentlemen, before we wrap this oh, one up?
2: Yes, for sure. <laughs> Duh. Okay.
1: Okay, it's sir. Keely
2: Keely Ewer is here right in front of me, <laughs> so it's I'm really disappointed. This is going to be the last time we'll be doing this. Uh, I, know. You know, I it's
1: still so so surreal. haven't fully processed things.
2: You're gonna. I mean, she It's been great. You know, like we talked about earlier in the show, coming on. Uh, you know, as a freshman and just seeing what she was able to do, taking over. You know, really uh, being a dynamic reporter, breaking news as of late, but just even in the early stages, uh, she would take. Uh, You know, take charge of things and and took over. I used to do instant analysis, and like she took it over, and she would be our wrangler. Like she would keep me in line. Like Ryan, you shouldn't say that. Like she's (laughs) my moral compass, or whatever you could say. Sometimes, uh, you she really helped with Dan Weber, and and just you know, I could send them off and do things, and um, you know, she would go down and film. She'd go cover high school games, whatever we had asked Keely to do, she was always doing it and always great at it, and and we appreciate that. I mean. Uh, I'm definitely going to miss the camaraderie. I'm going to miss her as part of the team. I love the team we were able to put together. And, um, you know, we'll we'll keep doing it. We'll keep adding pieces as we go. But, you know, Keely's been a, a great one along the way. I'm, you know, I'm going to miss the long hairs that are going to be on my chair after the thing. <laughs> I or, shed
1: a lot, yeah. Or so I'm the, sorry. Uh,
2: the little pencil that she likes to chew on or whatever. I don't the, chew on. I just play
1: with she it. Just play,
2: like the, the, the eraser's gone. Yeah. She just, you know, yeah. it's like little... She would pick at those things. Like, there's just pick little Keely things, that, <laughs> yeah. you know, that are just be like, oh, there's not, you know, that's not going to be around. Or we should write little things on the whiteboard about Shotgun mm-hmm. or the stock mutual you stuff. you erased it, too. I did. Ara- yeah, you're wow, a short time you I erased me from my,
1: your life. Wow, okay. <laughs> uh, I just,
2: you know, well, you guys were both not going to be here anymore. Um, but it's, uh, you know, it's, it's and Shotgun's still here. He's around. He's just on the East Coast He's now, alive so, on yeah. the East Coast. And, uh, we'll, you know, we'll talk about how the show is going to be structured. Going forward, we're still going to do tunnel vision, so we're going to to have to make some changes, obviously, the intro and all that. Um, So we kind of have this off-season to sort of figure all that stuff out, but there's no replacing Keely Yor. I just want to tell you, uh, you know, I'm very, very proud of you, and I'm very happy uh, for all this success. You deserve it all. And you're going thank to be you. missed sorely, yeah.
1: Thank you, Ryan. That was sure. so sad. Yeah. I mean, thank you guys. I remember being the young uh, intern scared to say anything on a podcast or anything like that. I remember the first podcast you brought me on was Harvey Hyde, and I was just like, yeah, okay, that sounds good, and didn't know what to say. But I, Shaka and I have asked you so many questions. I have bombarded your multiple apartments to be like, teach me things, teach me film study. And so <laughs> you've gladly uh, taught me things, and so you guys have been uh, great Mentors and great just guys to be around for the last seven years, which is crazy. Both of you have really watched me growing up for the past couple of years. So, thank you so much. And I really appreciate it. So, yeah, it's crazy.
0: This is bullshit.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness.
2: That's funny. For yeah.
0: anyone that doesn't know, because I have some people uh filling in uh, that didn't catch the beginning Keely let them know where you're going
1: yeah okay so just for people who came late I am uh, leaving for USC athletics I'm going to be the team reporter and director of creative content basically we're, USC wants to create a better uh, connection with USC fans and so I'm going to kind of create content that will con- make them feel more connected to the players and the teams that they love um, both behind and in front of the camera uh, and so interviews podcast stuff like that just really fun uh, content that I think fans will really enjoy so I'm going to to jump over and help them develop that strategy and, and that content
2: are you going to start tweeting emote fight on emojis too now like,
1: I, I want to stay true to myself <laughs> i don't want to like start torturing people as well i don't know no like, I, keely's not going to be working
2: true at for all you. you
0: definitely want to start torturing people i know you
1: <laughs> maybe you specifically i'll be like <laughs> at shotgun Spratling and then and then torture you that's all but yes
2: awesome any uh, any thoughts shotgun
0: you don't yeah,
1: it's not have to be
0: nice be... to me. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, I'll save some of those for the for the family the final family feud podcast. Oh, yeah. oh, I know. It's gonna be sad not having Keely around except, you know, we'll still see her around. So it won't yeah. be terrible for us right. except for on the podcast and live shows. Um, and not having her we're cutting her out of the text chain uh we're cutting I know, her out I of the intro sh- i'm sad about we're that cut, yeah there's gonna be a lot of cutting going on <laughs> i gotta get my scissors out for this to get rid of this snip, snip. Uh, but snip snip you know like my hair being gone we're getting rid of keely as well
1: we did get a question if your neck is feeling extra cold in the the eastern coldness because you don't have your long locks anymore
0: uh, i Ooh. went and visited a, a friend today it's the first time that I've been outside in more than a week. It's the first time <laughs> I've been off the porch of the house in more than a week. So Wow. Are you just like hibernating? Just, no, you just stay inside, wear blankets. I've got three blankets over here to my left uh, and down in the basement here where I work at night. So, you know, you just got to layer up. It's not fun, but I'm trying to stay warm. And, uh, you know, Keely... Leaving does not help, you know, turning the cold shoulder, just throwing ice back at us. Oh, Oh,
1: wow, wow. (laughs) On that note, all righty, that's going to wrap it up for tonight's episode. Thank you guys so much for watching. I called YouTube the peanut gallery. You guys were always so fun to interact with Facebook as well. Thank you for making the show so fun. And be sure to keep watching and interact with these guys because they're great. Um, But that's going to wrap it up uh, for tonight's show. That's Shotgun. That's Ryan. I'm Keely. We'll see you all next time
0: bye end of an era